What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Back again for another episode. This time, as you could probably tell from the title of the episode, I am joined by my friend, the one and only Nate Christian. How's it going, brother? <laughs> as always, I'm so excited to be here. It's always a great time hanging out with you. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I know uh, I told you that we are going to be doing a super flex redraft of the rookies, but I actually have some questions from some listeners and i didn't tell you about them yet so this is his his answers right off the top of his head as long as <laughs> along with mine so the first question that we got is from dustin he says is Taysom hill the quarterback for the saints next year and is he their long-term option i'll let you take it and then i'll put in my two cents after all right so Taysom hill is getting paid way too much money to not be the starter next year um Sounds like Drew Brees is going to retire. As soon as he cracked like 11 ribs, I kind of figured that was going to be the deal. So they might draft a rookie quarterback. Um, I don't see it happening in the first round most likely. Um, if It'll be like late day two, early day three, I would guess. Um, and they don't have the cap space for a free agent. And they don't have Jameis Winston under contract after this year. So Taysom Hill it is. He's getting paid like $16, $18 million a year. He is the quarterback. They won games with him as quarterback this year. So they can manufacture some wins with Taysom Hill. I don't know how potent that offense will be with him once you know we get to next year and defenses know a little bit more about what that full offense looks like with him at the helm. But, yeah, Taysom Hill's the starter. So in Superflex Leagues, Taysom Hill has one year of production ahead of him most likely after that i don't think he lasts more than one year i think he's a bridge quarterback i agree i agree so the 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 one thing that eats at me in this situation is Taysom hill is i feel like he's a guy that sean payton knows he can win games with for a certain like for a short period of time you know he can scheme his way it's kind of like him showing off his coaching skills but I don't know if he's confident enough to roll out Taysom Hill as a full-fledged quarterback for an entire season and I know you said the thing about the cap space but if Drew Brees is retiring which we both agree with on then that cap space is opening up I think that they might be able to bring in a, a guy either through tr- through trades I don't know if you heard the, the last podcast but uh I had something something spicy going down I did a, a whole bunch of quarterback team changes and I had a Jimmy Garoppolo actually after the 49ers acquired a quarterback going to the Saints. Just spiced it up a little bit. But I, I think that they will either draft someone or bring someone in. There's no way to me that they just have Taysom Hill in the room next year. And even even if they keep Jameis Winston, you know, I think there's going to be a new quarterback there. So I don't know if I'm fully bought in like you for next season, but we both definitely agree he's not the long-term option, right? Yeah, he's not the long-term option, but I have full confidence that Sean Payton has full confidence in Taysom Hill. <laughs> I mean, Sean Payton had the nerve to have, you know, his pride is so big surrounding Taysom Hill that when Kamara could have gone for the record, he put Taysom Hill out there for the goal line. That's so, that, that was so annoying. That's, that's all you need to know. That was so annoying. All right. 
So that's the first question. Then we got a question from Mr. Anderson, my guy. He says, all right, is Carson Wentz moving to Indianapolis? So I'll break this down. First off, if you have to pick, is he an Eagle? Yes or no. And second off, if he is not an Eagle guaranteed, what's the most likely destination? Yeah, so I think this one just kind of makes too much sense. He's already supposedly asked for the trade. Um, the Eagles' culture in their locker room just seems to be going downhill by the minute right now. So I think Carson Wentz is out of there. There's no reason for them to keep him around, um, especially if they can trade him because then they don't have to worry about so much cap. They can't just cut him. So they're either stuck with him or they can trade him. Um, if the Colts, with all their cap, would like Carson Wentz and not uh, another year of Phillip Rivers, Ew. then I think that's a great deal for the Colts. <laughs> I think it makes sense they have the cap room. They can't spend it all this year. So might as well take up chance on Carson Wentz, see if you can get anything out of him. As we all know, you know Frank Reich has experience with Carson Wentz. I think there's just kind of too many clues right there to not have, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. I think there's some something happening there. I don't know for sure if it's going to happen, but there's definitely something already kind of happening in the works. I absolutely love that saying. When there's smoke, there's fire. I love it, and I think that's a perfect application of it. I completely agree. And we got another one from the same man. Is Miles Sanders' value, and I, I kind of think it depends here, is Miles Sanders' value going down with a mobile quarterback such as Jalen Hurts? Uh, I'm going to say no. I think a lot of people are fading Miles Sanders. And I saw people do the same with the Ravens running backs. And there's plenty of reasons to fade Ravens running backs because at the beginning of the season there was three of them. So it's kind of hard to pick one. But going forward, we see what J.K. Dobbins can do with Lamar Jackson. We see what these running backs, when they have a good scheme set up. So, like, I mean, Kenyon Drake, he's not very good. Okay, so... He's, that's not a good example over there with Kenyon Drake and Kyler Murray. But running quarterbacks can help the running backs. We've seen it in, like, play-by-play. Play, I mean, you have one less guy coming after your running back when you have a running quarterback. Exactly. That just leads to bigger plays. It might lead to less carries, but it should lead to more efficient carries. And that more than usually makes up for the lack of volume. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins, I mean, we we can see in his efficiency. Like, he's a great running back, for sure. He's probably the best runner in this rookie class which I mean we're going to be touching on that stuff when we do our redraft here soon but you know I'm I'm somebody who's been preaching against the Ravens running backs the whole time partly because of what you said with you know the room being full but also one thing I do think is different here between Miles Sanders and J.K. Dobbins is Miles Sanders is more likely to still get a receiving role and still get receptions. Lamar Jackson yep. and that offense and that scheme is not really conducive to throwing to the running back. So I think that's something that's going to hurt Dobbins. But just like uh, Lamar takes away some touchdown potential, yeah, Hurts might do the same. But ultimately, if that offense is better with Jalen Hurts than it was with what we just saw this season with Carson Wentz, no, I do not think Miles Sanders' value is hurt. Now, if you're comparing it to the Carson Wentz, like, MVP year or even the year after when he was playing really good and the offense was clicking and the O-line was healthy, then maybe Miles Sanders' value would go down a little bit from that just because of the potential on losing out on touchdowns. But honestly, I like him. I like him with Jalen Hurts. I don't think Hurts is going to be the guy who's taking 15 carries a game either. It's not going to be that, you know, that much. So I like it. And then the last question we got here, 
What do you expect from the Washington football team offense in the next season and a couple years forward, maybe? (laughs) All right, so coming into the 2021 season, I think the Washington football team, even with their draft pick likely being 19, hey, if they beat the Bucs, it'll be a little bit later. Stop, uh... (laughs) stop it, stop it. (laughs) But in this draft, uh, there's a lot of depth at quarterback. And if they wanted to pick someone like Mac Jones, for example, at 19, they could. If they wanted to go with someone in the second round, like probably a Desmond Ritter, I've actually projected them to pick Desmond Ritter in the second round. So there's a couple of quarterbacks they can pick, and I would be all for the team picking someone either day one or day two in the first three rounds, keeping Alex Smith in the next year where they already have him under contract and they've already expressed that they want to keep Alex Smith, and letting Alex Smith be a bridge quarterback, someone who can start, you know, maybe just not the whole season, but eight, ten games, and then get the rookie some, you know, chances depending on what your record is, what playoffs look like for you. But I think this is a team that definitely starts next season off with Alex Smith. I don't think they're really the team to bring a veteran in. I've heard, like, Teddy Bridgewater as a possible trade candidate to Washington. While I think he fits the scheme pretty well, I don't think he just gives them enough. Um, So I think at this point, Ron Rivera is going to want to get a quarterback I don't really see a free agent quarterback that really fits there. I got one. I got one for you, actually. I got uh, one so for you. So I think a rookie comes in. I think they let him sit for – they try to let him sit for a whole year. And then moving forward, I think they look pretty good. Yeah, so I am I, I like the offense because you know I love Gibson. I have for a while. And then Terry McLaurin is a beast. He's always open. He's a problem. Logan Thomas is older, so I don't really want to attribute too much in their offense to Logan Thomas. But between McLaurin, Gibson – And, you know, Rivera has had good offenses before in Carolina. So I think I trust that that situation moving forward. I do think whoever they bring in is going to be somebody that will be obviously better than what Alex Smith has been, which, by the way, I mean, that guy is a freaking soldier. I mean, amazing, absolutely amazing. But so there is one free agent. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but just thought it might be interesting and maybe a possibility if, you know, they can't if they don't fall in love with one of these later rookie quarterbacks right? And they want to get a new face in the room that has a little more upside. He comes with all his flaws. I don't know if you know where I'm going yet. He comes with a lot of flaws, but he's got more upside than anyone. Jameis Winston, if he's not going... I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) If he's not going to New Orleans, if he's not staying in New Orleans, he's going to be somewhere. He's not going to be out the league. I thought about this yesterday, actually. I thought about Jameis Winston to Washington. And to me, it makes no sense. I don't think he fits. He's not a Ron Rivera kind of guy. He is not, like, I think personally he's not a Ron Rivera guy. And then schematically he's not a Ron Rivera kind of guy. And you you know what the Bucks defense is this year, okay? Yeah. It might be slightly different than last year, but the Bucks defense led up a lot of points because they were just stuck in bad situations. Yep. And Washington does not want to bring that juju, that bad juju, onto their defense, which is looking so good right now. I mean, maybe one-year experiment, man. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> You gotta give you gotta give the McLaurin owner some hope, my guy, <laughs> because hey, you gotta admit if Jameis was there, McLaurin's like top five. Oh yeah, for sure. If, if Jameis is there, then McLaurin's top five. And I, actually, this gives me a good chance to bring up Cam Sims. I think is a good dynasty stash. Um, he's big guy, and I think he can work well across from Terry McLaurin unless they bring in a wide receiver of that size in this draft. They got Antonio Gandy Golden. 
in the last draft, but yeah, he spent so the I entire I want to see that guy injured. do something, man. And uh, he was exciting. I liked his tape, but yeah. usually guys who come into league and miss the entire first year don't pan out. It's just how it works, unfortunately. Yeah. So. All right, so with that said, that's the questions. That was the AMA. We got that out the way. But before we get into the main event, the redraft of the 2020 rookies, Superflex PPR, I do want to let you guys know the website is back up and running. I mean, it's been running the whole time, but I'm putting content back on there now that we're in the offseason. That's when it's popping. I got the article out on my top 20 dynasty quarterbacks. It's you know got some nice stats in there. Go check it out. It's basically a wrap-up of the podcast itself that we recorded on Thursday. But with that said, Nate, we are going to basically be kind of competing against each other, not necessarily, um, because, I mean, it's only two people, so it's kind of tough, <laughs> kind of tough to do. But I was thinking the most fair way to construct this, because there's a clear 101 in a super flex of this rookie class, right? I mean, I don't think... I don't think so. I think I've heard lots of people say it's between two people. Wait, wait. I'm talking about... I'm not talking about this coming year. I'm talking about the year... 2020 rookies you think yeah, so if you, i think in this situation i've heard many people say the name that you're not going to pick and the name that you're going to pick so i think that it is actually a toss-up <laughs> okay and i don't disagree i think you could take either or okay so then i'll take the first pick if that's the case no i want the first pick what <laughs> what no 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 because this is look this is how it's gonna go all right it's gonna go first pick to you know the first person second person gets next two and after that, okay. it's one, 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 one the rest of the way. All right. Oh, so you're doing a third round reversal, but it's a third pick reversal. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So you you want the first pick then? Even... No, you can have the first pick. Oh, oh, now I can have it. All right. All right. So with the first pick of the of the 2020. Oh, I don't. My guy. You know, who do you think I'm taking? All right. 2020 redrafting the rookie superflex PPR. Brandon Gabor, deep dive fantasy football is on the board. And first overall, Justin Herbert has got to be done. Nate, you're on the board at two. I don't think there's much to explain on Herbert. I love, I'm sure you're going to take him because it's super flex. I love Burrow. And you know Burrow was my dude coming into the year. But then seeing what Herbert did, that's kind of what I'm hoping Burrow can do. And Herbert has just as many weapons as Burrow does. So... I don't see how, and coming off the injury, I don't see how you could take Burrow over Herbert. I'm assuming that's the other guy you're talking about, right? In the coin flip? Yeah. Okay. All right. So go ahead, take it away, and let us hear the case. Yeah, I mean, it's the easy pick here. And it's it's not, you know, for the 101, I don't have strong feelings either way. If someone wanted to argue Joe Burrow, I'm totally fine with it. Um, I like Joe Burrow more as a prospect, of course. Many people did. Same. And Herbert's been incredible. But... I mean, I still like Burrow. Even coming off an ACL injury, I still love Burrow. Um, I have them next to each other in my quarterback rankings for Dynasty. They're basically like, I think they're like 8A and 8B, basically. Um, So, But here at the 102, I am more than happy to take Joe Burrow as my quarterback. Uh, The guy just balled out the entire time he was on the field, and he didn't even have that much help, let's be honest. Um, But he showed great awareness, great pocket awareness, which we all knew about. He could chuck the ball down the field. He's a gunslinger. He could throw the ball 50-something times a game and be great. So I'm more than happy with him leading my team into glory for the future. At the 103, even though it's super flex, I'm going to go running back. Um, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, dang it. I love Jonathan Taylor. I love Jonathan Taylor in the offseason. He was my running back one, and it wasn't even close. Um, 
I stuck with him this entire time. I was never in doubt. I was a little upset about the Colts and how they were using him. He is not he's not saying he's Derrick Henry. I don't like the Derrick Henry comparisons, but the way he, that he runs and the fact that he gets better as the game goes on. That's how he was in college. He would get 30 something carries in college and he got better as the game went on. The Colts took way too long to figure that out. They were trying to use him for the first half and then they were let Naheem Hines have their second half. And it just didn't make sense because Taylor is the guy that you start going, and by the time he gets his 12th, 13th carry, he is starting to break off some big runs. Yep. So I'm glad we got to see that for the final games of the season. And Jonathan Taylor is my RB1 from this class before the season and after the season. So let me ask you, you said you don't like the Derrick Henry comparison. What about the Ezekiel Elliott comparison? That's the one that I liken him to. That's the one I like better. What do you think about That's that? That's actually what I compared him to coming out of Wisconsin. Yes. Zeke. Perfect. Um, and I know he didn't have like the pass catching um, on film, but it's always been a thing that's just a Wisconsin thing. You know, it's he actually had a higher share, target share of his college's team than DeAndre Swift did. You know, Wisconsin just doesn't pass a lot, mm-hmm. let alone to the running backs. So true. So you you kind of threw me for a loop here because I thought I was going to gift you the 101. You'd be happy with it. My plan was to go Burrow JT. It's too easy, man. Burrow JT is a great start. So you killed killed me there. All right, so now I'm I'm drafting from the spot I was not expecting, but that's cool. Spice it up a little bit. So I've got Herbert so far. You've got Burrow and JT. I got to go with my guy. We were just talking about him on the Washington football team, Antonio Gibson. This running back class is stacked. I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's stacked, and we're probably going to take them. They're probably going to be flying off the board here. But um, I got to get Gibson first. And it's a combination of, one, he's his opportunity share. He, he averaged 14.9 points per game in fantasy this year, and his opportunity share was less than 50%. That is going to go up. We saw Christian McCaffrey. I know everyone laughs at the Christian McCaffrey comparison. I'm not saying I think that's the what's really going to happen. But... If you look at Christian McCaffrey's rookie year, Christian McCaffrey was a solid, dependable RB2 that was getting receiving work, but it wasn't elite yet. And all of a sudden, he skyrockets in total touches from, you know, rushes, carries, also in the receiving game getting way more. And I think we could see the same type of thing happen for Antonio Gibson. I'm not talking, you know, like the 100 reception range, but if he gets to 65 reception-ish range, I could totally see that. Plus him getting more carries. McKissick is just a guy. They're going to start to realize that he did not have a good performance versus the Eagles. I At least I didn't think so. So I love Gibson's opportunity moving forward. He has the second no, third highest yards per route run among the running backs in this rookie class. He has the highest after J.K. Dobbins, the, so the second highest true yards per carry, which is taking out big runs that you can't rely on that are outliers. He has the highest juke rate in the running back class, and he has the third highest yards created per touch. Every single metric in Antonio Gibson looks great. And he looks great when you watch him. So I love me, Gibson. That's where I'm going. And now you're on the clock because we're going one and one back and forth. All right. So we are to the 105 now, correct? Correct. All right. I got to go with the running back who has the highest yards per carry of any running back in the league. And 
That is J.K. Dobbins. Oh, surprise, surprise. Ravens, <laughs> Ravens homer. Here we go. I usually stick away, stay away from Ravens players in fantasy other than Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, but John Harbaugh is giving J.K. Dobbins the lion's share of carries um, comparatively. I mean, Mark Ingram's been a healthy scratch at points this season once they started getting Dobbins involved. And going forward, Gus Edwards is a restricted free agent, so it could be back. But I think the Ravens, knowing what they have in Dobbins, try to trade Edwards, and they love getting like a fourth or fifth rounder to work with. So I think that's probably going to happen in the offseason. So Dobbins is going to have just so much opportunity. As we talked about earlier, the efficiency is just incredible, not only with Dobbins, but because of his scheme. And he did so well in the same exact scheme in college. It's just what's worked for him, and he went to the perfect situation. He's showing up. He has nine touchdowns rushing, which is the second most behind um, Jonathan Taylor and Antonio Gibson. And as I said, the highest yards per carry. Going forward, it just looks just looks like such a good opportunity. And he's a great player. So he might even make the Ravens want to throw the running back more. Who knows? That, so I guess that's the difference between you and me is you are confident. And hey, I mean, it's your team. You know more about them than I do. You're confident that they move forward with J.K. Dobbins as the dude without anybody really hurting him next year. I think we will see it in the playoffs. Okay. that That's actually, I, mean, that, I love looking at the playoffs for that. The with playoffs rookies. are really important for that for me. Yes, if he same. Does, if he's not being used as the running back one during the playoffs, I will definitely have to move him down just a little bit going into next year. Yeah, that's what I wanted to look at actually with Clyde too. Um, but then his injury, we don't know if he's even going to be 100%, if he's even going to be playing in this next game. I don't know if you saw an update that I didn't, but um, I was really excited to see that with Clyde too because what I noticed throughout this whole season, and I, I've talked about it so many times on the podcast, is that Clyde has always been the one dominating touches in specific situations where the Chiefs are in close games. The two Raiders games, when they were close the whole time, Clyde dominated touches. When they were, when the Bucks were getting closer and all of a sudden, you know, they weren't blowing us out anymore. Clyde was getting the touches. And in the Dolphins game, when the game was close, Clyde was getting the touches. So I thought the playoffs would be the perfect confirmation. And so it sucks that we're not going to be able to see that. But I completely agree with you. That's something you guys should always look at if, you know, you're still scouting and thinking ahead with fantasy football is what do teams do in the most important time of the season? So with that said, you just grabbed J.K. Dobbins. And I thank you for that because that leaves me another running back. And I, I struggle with this. I really struggle with this because I did not have him, you know, nearly as highly as the guys I'm about to take him over preseason. Obviously, nobody did. I think you know where I'm going. And uh, it's James Robinson. I got to take him. He, he had an 85% opportunity share. Look, that's probably going to go down, right? That's ridiculous. That's insane. But he was on a team where he should be the only offensive person that they had to worry about the the quarterbacks for Jacksonville were a joke and the defenses they were able to stack the box they were able to just focus on James Robinson he was still able to be efficient he got a bunch of carries and the Jaguars are always playing from behind that's not a great situation especially for a power back like Robinson now yes he was getting a lot of targets and receptions but I don't see why that would change I don't see them changing that and the Jaguars are going to be bringing in either Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, whoever it is, is going to massively help that offense. It's going to raise touchdown opportunity for James Robinson. The offense is going to be on the field longer because they're going to have more sustained drives, so he's still going to have a lot of touches. I love James Robinson here. I see you shaking your head. They can't see that. No, you no, agree? I love it. 
I mean, it's, I think it's a little early, but I love it. I mean, I like James Robinson a lot. I'm not arguing against you here. Yeah, it was it was tough for me to decide between between him and the other running backs. This running back class, honestly, and this receiver class, this whole rookie class is completely loaded, which is even crazier to, to see how good they did considering the COVID thing. And I don't know if you remember how worried all of us were in the offseason <laughs> that all these rookies would start off really slow. That was definitely not the case. Um, but yeah, so I, I took James Robinson. So now we're at the 107. You're back on the clock. Where are you going? Yeah, so there's a couple running backs here who are quite interesting. And uh, I mean, there's still a lot of talent. But I'm actually going to switch positions. And I'm going to take Justin dude. Jefferson. Dang it. I'm going to take Justin Jefferson because he is a top 12 dynasty wide receiver, I believe, at this point. I mean, yeah. he just had the greatest wide receiver rookie season of all time. And he has a great situation where he has, like, really no competition for his target share. Adam Thielen is getting older. Kyle Rudolph is getting older. So Eric Smith's going to come in, but... There's no one else other than those two wide receivers there. And it just looks great. Justin Jefferson looks unstoppable. I loved him. I think he was my wide receiver four going into the draft. But I thought he was kind of going to be limited to the slot in the NFL. And he has gone out and shown that it doesn't matter where he lines up. He is dominant. So I'm taking Justin Jefferson here, and it feels like a steal. It is a steal. I thought I thought I was gonna get him. I thought you know with all my running back talk, I could kind of lean you over to to running back again, but I guess that didn't work. Um, all right. So see, the question for me is, do I just slam running back and kind of just try and take over the running back against you, or do I go receiver? Ugh, there's still some good running back, so I'll see what you do. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a receiver here. Everyone knows I love T Higgins, but. I got to say, look, guys, I'm a flexible dude. And when I find stuff that makes me question things, I'm going to go with it. I'm not going to be the person that, you know, keeps their feet in the sand and stays in the same spot, right? So I was looking at CeeDee Lamb. I was looking at T. Higgins. They only had a .6 points per game difference in PPR despite CeeDee Lamb having so much competition and, you know, Dak being out. They have the exact same target rate in the offense. They have almost the exact same yards per route. CeeDee Lamb has a better true catch rate percentage, so takes uh, you know takes out the bad passes. He has more separation, and he's a better contested catch receiver. So with all that said, and seeing how many targets he was getting, he was actually getting a higher target share, I believe, with Dak Prescott than he was with Andy Dalton. I'm going to have to go CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, all three of them are not going to be there forever. They might only be together for one more year because... I mean, first off, Amari Cooper might be out because of the cap situation. I don't think so. Maybe next year, um, like after next year's over. But with how much money he's making and the fact that Gallup is going to be a free agent soon, there's no way all three of them are going to be there. So I'm going to take C.D. Lamb, and I'm going to hope that you leave me T. Higgins on on the next pick. We'll see. But I'm going to take C.D. Lamb because he is the better receiver. I had him as the better receiver, um, and I think he has a higher ceiling t higgins is like a brandon marshall to me which could have spike seasons kind of like a mike evans with touchdowns and stuff but he's not somebody that can be in my opinion like 110 115 catch guy cd lamb has that potential so i'm gonna take cd lamb i see that yeah i'm going to actually go back to running back now uh it's kind of a hard choice that there's still like so much talent on the board 
But I'm going to go with a guy that I really liked before the draft, <laughs> which you won't hear too many people say that they like this guy a lot before the draft. He was actually my running back three right behind Taylor and Dobbins. That's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I loved Clyde coming out of LSU when he got the dream landing spot. Um, I was super hyped, and obviously everyone else was super hyped as well. And it hasn't been exactly what everyone expected it to be. I mean, he was being taken in redraft leagues, like top five. I mean, it got a little ridiculous there for a while. Um, but he, he's shown, like you said earlier, I mean, I don't have to say too much because you already talked about it. He gets the meaningful snaps, and going forward, there's going to be no Lev Bell there. And, I mean, I'm not worried about any of those other running backs. No one cares about Darwin Thompson and what he can do. Or either 17. of the two D. Williams. Yeah, I mean, Clyde Ward-Solaire, they picked him in the first round. They were committed to him. They picked him in the first round so that they would have the fifth-year option. So they can use him for five years. They're looking the long-term here. They're trying to set Mahomes up for the long-term. Clyde Ward-Solaire, while not having the greatest rookie season ever for a running back, is going to have a great next four years with the Chiefs. I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if after this year because it's always hard to you know after you see results from a rookie year and a rookie class to get too crazy but I wouldn't be surprised if Clyde Edwards Hilaire is you know if we're doing the same thing the same exercise redrafting this class next year I wouldn't be surprised if it's Clyde as either the first or second with JT being the first I wouldn't be surprised at all it's really I mean it's not a question of talent it's just a question of volume and I I think the biggest concern for me I was going to take Clyde higher and, and I was going to rank him higher in my chart but the thing that held me back was not really the lack of volume in terms of how much he's getting compared to the other running backs because I think that will change it's just the lack of rushing volume as a whole from that offense but if if they you know get back to running the ball more it kind of seemed like they kept their foot off the gas this year which kept them in a lot of closer games so they didn't run the ball as much I think you know if they put the pedal to the metal next year as they did last year, and they have more leads, Clyde will be fine. He'll get so many touches. So I like the pick. Kind of mad. I was hoping uh, he would fall to me. But, you know, it was between him or Higgins. So I was I was fine taking Lamb because I knew I was going to get one of the two. So let's see. You have, so far you have JT, Dobbins, and and you just took Clyde. All right, so you got three. And Just Jefferson and Burrow. Yes. So, so you have three running backs so far. So now I have to say, do I want to take Swift or Higgins? I feel like you're not the biggest Higgins guy, honestly. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't talked to you much about Higgins, actually. Hmm. Look look me in my eyes, Nate. Let's see. Oh, I think he's going to take Higgins, guys. I think he's going to take Higgins. You know what? I need to get my running back. I need to get another running back. I'm going to take DeAndre Swift. I don't think it takes, takes much explaining. He's another guy. Great talent. PPR we're talking. He's getting mad receptions. Plus... You know this of all people. You're the one who pointed this out to me long before the season even started. Marvin Jones, free agent. Kenny Galladay, free agent. Danny Amendola, free agent. The only people there are Quintez Cephas and TJ Hawkinson. And then DeAndre (laughs) Swift. And I think Stafford is going to be there. I think he stays because despite so many options being in this offseason for quarterbacks, whether it's, you know, through the draft or through free agency, I think Stafford has plenty of years left in him he's only what he's like 30 he's low 30s 32 maybe yeah i think i think he's 32 as well um so he's got at least another four or five years you know he could easily go to 37 which is what aaron Rodgers is right now so he could easily get that far he could be the guy to bring them to the playoffs and i i think that's really going to help the offense you know just keeping stafford and getting offensive 
minded head coach. That's really going to make the difference, I think. So I'm going to take DeAndre Swift. All right. I'm going to take T. Higgins. Dang it, dude. This is so annoying. I literally hate how we agree on almost everything except for J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> yeah, T. Higgins is great, and uh, I think he's right up there with C.D. Lamb, like you were talking about. Um, number one, linked to a great quarterback. Joe Burrow is incredible, and T. Higgins is going to be taken over. Brandon he already Marshall. took over the A.J. Green role, but he's yeah, going to he get all of it yeah, he did. Um, going forward. A.J. Green's on the franchise tag. He's not coming back. There's no way they're paying him. Uh, I don't know what A.J. Green does, because if he's not with Cincinnati, I don't know where he is. But T. Higgins, he's going to be dominating over there. He's the wide receiver one over Tyler Boyd. Um, Tyler Boyd's going to probably get more receptions, but I think T. Higgins ends up with more fantasy points uh, next year. Actually, that's a, that's a really good one. I'll have to think about that a little bit more, but I like T. Higgins a lot. Wait, so, say, say that last say that last thing real quick. I think Boyd gets more receptions, but T. Higgins gets more points in fantasy. Oh, yeah. he's He, he, gets, he gets more yards per catch and, and he also has more touchdowns yeah so i agree yeah i agree but it could be close i mean hey boyd's good yeah for um, sure. but i mean i loved t higgins this is another guy i liked actually before the draft i think he was my wide receiver five and a lot of people forgot about him because he did not run at the combine he actually didn't even go to the combine because clemson had just played in the national championship game and he was saying that you know just after the long season he wasn't ready for the combine and Everybody else is getting hyped up. You know, Chase Claypool had some incredible measurements. Um, these guys had the combine, and everyone was getting talked up. Anyone who didn't run the combine was automatically stocked down. J.K. Dobbins stocked down because he didn't run. T. Higgins wasn't even there. Stocked down. Tyler Johnson for- stocked down. Brian Edwards. Start <laughs> forgetting about these guys. And T. Higgins was an absolute steal at the top of the second round for the Bengals. And... I mean, people got him as an absolute steal in rookie drafts last year. I know people were getting him in the second round last year, and that's absolute steal. Look at where he goes now. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so it's super flex. It's, it's super flex, and only Herbert and Burrow are off the board at this point. At 112, 112, this is massively different from where he was going earlier. I got to take my shot at the second quarterback because, guys, if you're playing in super flex leagues, Quarterback is the most important, by far. And you know the best way to tell, Nate, I don't know if you do this, but for me, the best way to tell value in a dynasty startup, especially in a super flex, is not looking at ADP, not looking at where these quarterbacks are usually going, but think, okay, right after the draft, what is the trade value of this player? And quarterbacks garner multiple first-round picks in super flex leagues. And the only players out of the positions that do that are the elite of the elite, like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams. Those are the only guys that do that. And I don't think there are any of the elite of elite guys left. So I got to take my shot at a starting quarterback to Otago Vilo. I think people are being a little too harsh on him. He is coming from, honestly, a system that is just so perfect for any quarterback in Alabama. Literally everybody he was throwing to. Four first-round wide receivers, always open, mad separation from all of them. Two of them, the ones that are coming out in this class, are crazy fast. Might be two of the, I haven't dove too much into this rookie uh, this rookie class that's incoming yet, all the college guys, but Waddle and Smith might be two of the, what, three fastest rookies in this class? Yeah. Yeah, so it... Yeah, what he had was like ridiculous. And Devontae Parker, not a separation guy. Preston Williams, no separation. Gasicki, 
is never like even out of hand's reach of his defender. So it, it was tough. It's a tough, tough situation for two. And they don't even open up the offense for him like they do for Fitzpatrick. So I think it'll get better for sure. I do expect them to add key position players at the wide receiver position this offseason, whether through free agency, Chris Godwin, Alan Robinson, Kenny Galladay, or through the draft. I'm taking Tua Tagovailoa. All right. I like it. I mean, he's a quarterback. I don't know exactly what to think about him yet. Um, I haven't been too impressed, though. I'm not down on him as a lot of people are right now. So, oh, man. See, that puts me in a weird spot. Oh, you were going to take Tua? No, I wasn't, but I feel like my hands are forced to take a quarterback now, but I'm not ready to take a quarterback. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Nah. Don't let me take them all, bro. (laughs) Dude, if you take them all, it doesn't matter. I mean, Tua and somebody else. I mean, who cares? (laughs) All right. We'll see. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to take another wide receiver. Um, No, I'm going to take Jalen Hurts. Okay. Let's do it. There it is. Thank you. Two of one. Thank you. Um, this is a pick I'm not super happy about, but I feel like <laughs> my hand is forced. But I'm taking Jalen Hurts. You have to do the right upside, bro. The upside. The upside, yes. I don't think Carson Wentz is on the team next year, so that gives Hurts at least a full year of starting. And you hope. the rushing we upside. We can't trust that staff, but we hope. The rushing upside yes. gives him overall more upside than Tua. Um, in the last couple games, Hertz has averaged over 20 fantasy points a game. Two up is like sitting at like 15. Yeah. I mean, the the offense isn't open up for him, but also he looks scared to throw the ball more than five yards on the field, which is really weird because he didn't have that issue at all in college. Well, yeah, everyone was always open. He, it's just interesting what he looks like right now. It's not what we saw in college. I mean, there's definitely Alabama was just dominant as we can see this year. Yeah. They're just they're always dominant. But Tua doesn't look like what he looked like. And I don't know if it's the injury to blame or something else. Could be the offense. They just fired their offensive coordinator, Chan Gailey. So we'll see what happens next year. Be interesting to see who they hire at offensive coordinator. But I'm taking Jalen Hurts here at 201. Get him my second quarterback. Get him that rushing upside. Uh, that's how you win fantasy leagues. You have to have quarterbacks who can run the ball. Preach it. Preach it. That's my number one key ingredient for quarterbacks in fantasy football. All right, so just just. You know, I I know a lot of people hear me agreeing, and they can't tell, but I've been nodding my head. I completely agree. Hertz has more upside than Tua. The reason I took Tua first was because both of these guys have questions. Both these Alabama quarterbacks have questions, but I feel like Tua is locked in for way more uh, chances because of his pedigree, because he was the fifth overall draft pick, and I do believe he's going to bounce back. Hertz, if he doesn't have a great season next year. He could easily just, that could be it. That could be his only shot. So even if he's great for fantasy, he still might lose his starting job. So they both have questions. Neither of them look as good as, you know, we hoped as a passer, but Hertz has looked apart in the rushing. So I completely understand that. But the only reason I took Tua was because I, I think he's a little bit safer. And I do think he has upside if they add to the offense. Um, so that's why I went Tua there. Then you took Hertz. Now we're at the 114. I'm going to have to. How many teams are in this league? Huh? Oh, oh. <laughs> no, okay, sorry. I, I have it, uh, it like bullet pointed with numbers. So not the 114. What is this? The 202 then. So we're at the 202. And um, I'm struggling right now between a receiver. I'm wondering if it's the same receiver you were going to take. I mean, you're always on the same page as me. So I'm assuming it is. I'm assuming you're going to take him next round. But I got to take my guy Cam Akers here. 
I liked him a lot. And he finally has been getting the touches in a decent offense with a very good play caller in Sean McVay. So I'm going to take Cam Akers and just wipe out the rest of this running back room. All right. I'm not as big a fan of Cam Akers. I'm trying to sell him everywhere I can, I think. Sell him to me if you have him. I I think that McVay is always going to kind of try to be like Kyle Shanahan and just use whatever running back has the hot hand. Um, they might. I, I would not be surprised if they drafted someone like in the fourth, fifth round. Stop it, dude! They need. Nope. They have. They need help so many places. Would not be surprised at all. Trying to replace Malcolm Brown. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's so stupid. If they do that, <laughs> that is so stupid. You get ready. Get ready. Um, but here at the two hundred three, I'm taking a wide receiver, and I'm taking Brandon Ayuk. Oh, okay. Thank God. I know you weren't going to take him, so I could have waited, but he deserves to be here. So, uh, Brandon Ayuk, he's been possibly the most efficient wide receiver of this rookie class so far this year. Um, he's been great, and when he's been on the field, he's been targeted like an insane amount. I believe it was like 22-something percent, um, but at times it was much more than that in a game. Uh, he was the offense for that team when they were down to not much. And I think he has proven enough that he is the wide receiver one of that team. Obviously, he's the second target behind George Kittle. But that team could look a lot better because Jimmy G might not be there next year. And if I have a good quarterback throwing to Brandon Ayuk, I mean, stocks up. So I think you reached I think you reached here, Nate. So I did. I'm, I know I could have got him later because you weren't going to pick him anytime soon. But <laughs> I think, he but deserves to be there. I'm talking. I'm talking. May, maybe not. Okay, not a big reach. I don't have him too far from this spot. But I, I want to touch on something. You're probably not going to like this because he's not actually, in my opinion, at least some of the stats that I, I really like to look at for receivers. One of the more, uh, what, what was it you said? Efficient. One of the more efficient receivers in this class. He has the. Let's see. Out of one, two, three, four, one second. 10, 12, 4. Out of 14 wide receivers in this rookie class that I charted, he has the third lowest yards of separation per route. So I feel like him being so good has been, and his yards per route are like just above average. His true catch percentage is like just about average. Everything is pretty much average except for his separation. I feel like a big reason Ayuk has been so good is because how many targets he's been getting Kittle has been gone Debo has been gone and Kyle Shanahan Kyle Shanahan has been scheming ways to get Ayuk the ball through screens and all these other you know pick routes all these other things that he's been doing so yes I do think Ayuk is good and I've already admitted that I did miss on him in pre-draft process I didn't think he was going to be that great but he landed in the perfect situation with the perfect play caller for his type of skill skill set because he's a yak guy so I, you know, I do know he is better than what I thought initially, but I still don't like him above some of these guys that you took him above. So, and, and what, what do you think about the separation thing? Is that something that you're kind of worried about? Is that something that you knew or anything like that? Um, I mean, I'm not too worried about it. He separated great in college. Uh, it might be a thing where he was the only target out there, so they could, you know, double Ooh, cover or something. The other side, um, I like it. That's true. Yeah, I think that that's not something I'm going to worry about. Also. One of the reasons I like Robert Woods is because you get rushing upside with a wide receiver. And Brandon Ayuk brings that to the table. That's what people liked about Debo last year. Uh, he had two rushing touchdowns this year, and he'll get more involved in the rush, rushing game. Uh, it's just great. I think he's just going to be schemed for – before the season started, Kyle Shanahan gave us a hint 
he said he's never seen a court like a, a rookie be as prepared and as far ahead in the NFL game as Brandon Ayuk. This is in the preseason with a weird preseason, which is super weird because he was not a complete receiver coming out. No, he wasn't. I didn't even like Brandon Ayuk coming out. Oh, same. But it, but I started to switch on him before the season started. I like the landing spot. The first round draft capital is huge. Everyone was sleeping on him, and. Kyle Shanahan just kept talking him up and talking him up. And he would have hit sooner and had a much bigger season, but he had an injury, so he didn't even play until like week six, I think. But once he got on the field, he was great. And, I mean, he was a target hog. Obviously, some of that comes down to the injuries in the offense. But I loved what I saw, and I think he's deserving of being like a top five wide receiver out of this class so far. All right. And so after that, now we're at what, the – it sounds like you're taking notes over there. What is this, the 204? Uh, yes, this is the 204. All right. So with the 204, I'm going to take the receiver I thought you might be taking. It's another guy in an offense that I've already dabbled in, in an offense that's going to improve hopefully through coaching staff, but mainly through quarterback. I'm taking LaVisca Chenault. He is – oh, That's my guy. Yes. See, I thought you were going to – that's man. who I thought you were going to take. Um, so I'm going to take LaVisca Chenault. Because, I mean, he's just a beast. He has all the physical tools. He was pretty raw. And get this. He has the best. This is not something I expected. He has the best true catch rate in this class of rookie receivers. And he has the best contested catch rate in this class of rookie wide receivers. So if they don't add a receiver, if it's just Chark and Chenault, I would not be surprised if Chenault becomes the wide receiver one there. Totally. So, And I would not be surprised. No. After the season, Justin Jefferson just happened. It's not going to happen. But I wouldn't be surprised if LaVisca Chenault ends up having, you know, being a better wide receiver than CeeDee Lamb or... Um, T. Higgins. T. Higgins. I mean, LaVisca Chenault has all the physical ability they do and has a great opportunity coming up. And he's just the ultimate alpha X wide receiver. He's big. He's strong. He, I mean, he has like the A.J brown kind of body type yeah and he's got he's the rushing upside you big, like and he gets he has the rushing upside he runs like a running back once he has the ball in his hands in the open field i mean this guy he could be unstoppable i mean he could be like deandre hopkins like all right and it's back to you i think i know where you're gonna go uh, i think it's gonna be a division rival team but we'll see so go for it <sighs> you think huh yeah i That's think, what you think i do think so I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do here. Um, I, I I see what you're saying. It's definitely between two guys. Yeah, it probably is. And I'm going to go with the guy that I had ranked higher. All right. Uh, coming into the draft, and that's Jerry Judy. Yep. That's um, who I was going to take we, next. We saw the playmaking ability this uh, past Sunday when a quarterback can actually get him the ball. This guy, he's open. He's putting... Co- NFL cornerbacks in the blender, turning around, spinning around. They don't know what's going on. His route running is just incredible for a rookie. He's doing things rookies don't do route running-wise. And obviously that hasn't quite turned out to be an incredible rookie year. But at the same time, I mean, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's the eighth most receptions. Um, He's got the fifth most receiving yards, it looks like. He's been doing great. He's just been quiet because he doesn't have the touchdowns, and the Broncos suck. 
And I'm going to toss up a stat for you so you can hit this out the park. Jerry Judy has the best separation in this rookie class. If you that only surprise me at all. Yeah, but it's the perfect stat for you to take this home with his route running, right? Because, and this is, it's not in the class overall. It's in the class if you look at guys with like 80 targets or more. Because guys on a lower target share like Henry Ruggs had more separation, obviously, because of his speed. Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I love, KJ Hamler. And Gabriel Davis. Those are the guys that had more separation than him. But Jerry Judy is the one who's been getting a lot of targets and still maintaining a lot of separation. Um, so there you go. Jerry Judy, he yeah. has been so, the route runner. It's just he's also had some drops, but that's something that yeah. fixes quickly. So. so separation can be a fickle stat. It can. It's not never the stat you want to base everything off of, but it's a stat that you should use as a compliment. Yes. Separation is important. Quarterbacks want to throw to open receivers. It's not, it's not like a hard thing to understand. Wide yeah. receiver is, you know, creating separation, solid, getting open. Solid He's analysis. He's going to get volume. We see this with Deontay Johnson. That's one of the reasons I love Deontay Johnson so much coming to this year is because as a rookie last year with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, he was creating the most separation in the league. He was creating the most separation by qualified receivers since fantasy data started keeping track of it in 2017. I mean – Separation is key. Also, I understand, yes, Dante Pettis at one point was leading the league in yards separate per target. So you have to take other things into account. But, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to not take into account separation. It's an important thing. Yeah, it is. So with that said, you took Jerry Judy after I took Chenault. I can't believe you're forcing me into this pick because I don't even like the guy that much. I was really trying to get you to take him. So I feel like Chase Claypool is overrated, but at this point with who's left. So just for the people listening, if they're kind of having a hard time, this is where we, what we've drafted so far. In order, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, James Robinson, Justin Jefferson at the 106, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, DeAndre Swift, Tua Tagovailoa, Cam Akers to finish off the first round. J.K. Oh wait, this is <laughs> this is so wrong. Ignore everything I just said. I was reading my rankings. Sorry. I was Re- like, what? Yeah, Nate. Nate was just being quiet. Okay, restart. <laughs> Dang it. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins. There it is. James Robinson at the 106. Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, DeAndre Swift, T. Higgins, Tua at the 112. Jalen Hurts, Cam Akers, Brandon Ayuk, Lavisca Chenault. Jerry Judy, and now I'm going to take Chase Claypool because the only guys left really at the receiver position are Jalen Rager, Henry Ruggs, Denzel Mims, and a couple of later guys. Claypool has a lot of upside because of his body style. He's in a really good position, and I'm going to ask you, Nate, because you seem like a guy who has his ear to the ground when it comes to the Steelers, which makes sense. I'm the same way with the Saints and the Panthers and the Falcons. You know the division rivals. we got to keep our eyes open, right? So what do you think? Uh, about Chase Claypool, just how he's been. Do you think he's overrated? I feel like people look at him, they see his highlight plays, they see his size, they see his speed, and they're like, oh man, this guy is awesome. When he was coming out of college, I didn't see much separation. I was very worried that he could end up as a Laquan Treadwell, just a little bit faster, and have that type of problem. He doesn't have a good contested catch rate percentage. He's actually the worst in this class, dude. He's huge, 14%, 14 14.3%. That he's had a lot of chances, and that is horrible. He's had a lot of touchdowns, yes. He also has the worst, the worst separation in this class. 
or the second worst, sorry, second worst separation in this class, worst contested catch percentage. His yards per route are about average. I, I mean, I, I just, I feel like he's the type of guy where you just need to put a big corner on him, and and that's it. You know, maybe if your corner's really slow, give him some safety help, but Chase Claypool is not the dude to me that is going to just blossom into this Kenny Galladay, like some people are thinking, or, you know, a ridiculous group of people that says like oh he could be calvin johnson you know maple tron like that's that's a little ridiculous so what what are your thoughts on claypool yeah so i'm not a huge fan of claypool i think the steelers have manufactured a lot of touches for him and it shows in his efficiency like you said so i'm not a huge fan of claypool though his physical traits are hard to no, disagree with. He has the potential to be something pretty incredible. Uh, I don't know if he'll get there. It does I don't think he will. Um, but physically, I mean, he could be like DK Metcalf. Yeah, I think it's part of the Steelers receiver kind of vibe thing going on too. Because you know, people look at the Steelers receivers and their success at the position, and they're like, "Oh man, another juicy Steelers receiver." So I think that's another part of it too. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of fading Claypool. I have him in one league. I'll probably try to sell him over the off season. But uh, he has enough physical ability that I kind of want to keep a share of him just in case. Yeah. If you're um, looking at this class, how loaded this rookie class is this year, right? Are you selling Chase Claypool for a late first? Would you do it? Superflex. Yes. You yes, would. Superflex League. Yeah. All right. I agree. All right. So with that said, it's your pick. I believe this is the 207. Yep. All right. All right. I can't believe you disrespected one of the top rookie wide receivers, man. <laughs> you were saying like, oh, there's just a couple of random guys left. Like, okay, Denzel he's not random, team. but you know what I mean, man. All right. Well, do you know who has the fifth most receptions of all the rookie wide receivers? Uh, I, I don't think I do, based off your. It is Darnell Mooney. Oh, you're going to take him this high? I'm taking Darnell Mooney. Dang. All right. I respect Allen it. Allen Robinson is a free <laughs> I re- agent. I respect it. Allen Robinson's a free agent. And if he leaves, which I think he does. Oh, he yeah. He wanted a contract extension, and for, they did not give it to him. Sure. I think he leaves. I would absolutely love to have Allen Robinson in Baltimore. That is my dream for this summer. We'll see if we get there. Nobody um, wants to watch Allen Robinson die in Baltimore, man. Quit it. Stop that. Stop that. Stop that. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Darnell Mooney, who has been so quietly incredible with a terrible situation. And like I said, he's got the fifth most receptions in this rookie class. He's not quite there with the yards, but it's not because he can't run deep. I mean, this guy's deep all the time. All the time, and they just can't get in the ball. So if they get a real quarterback there, or if Mitchell Trubisky ends up getting resigned, which he might get resigned. Who knows at this point? He got him the playoffs, and he looked kind of good in some of those games. But Darnell Mooney could be the wide receiver one. He's more than just like a gadget player. This guy can run routes. He can get down the field. He can take the ball to the house on screens. He can run slants. He can do everything. And he's going to be a steal next year because he's not the flashy guy that, you know, Claypool, T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb are. Not even – I mean, I bet Michael Pittman Jr. and Denzel Mims get drafted over him pretty regularly. Uh, we need to stop sleeping on Donald Mooney. Yeah, that I'm surprised. I didn't think you're going to take him this high because I liked Mooney a lot too. I thought he was going to be somebody that kind of we both just like let slip down the board. So I, I like it, man. 
I, I like it a lot. Um, and before we continue on, we are approaching an hour, so we're going to take a quick break. I will talk to you guys. We will talk to you guys right in one second here. What's up, divers? Do you enjoy a good workout like me? Do you grind in the gym trying to get built? If so, then you probably know working out is only half the battle with the other half being nutrition. Well, luckily, you can go to BuiltBar.com and get protein bars, 100% daily vitamin packs that mix into your water. I use that all the time. Tastes great. You can get caffeine and protein mixed into one as a pre-workout gel pack. And all of these things help you turn your hard work in the gym into visible results. I use these products myself and they are great. And I also have a promo code that helps both of us save 10% off with Deep Dive. That's Deep Dive to save 10% off at BuiltBar.com and on any of their products. And my favorite energy protein pack flavor, by the way, if you want to go that route, is the peanut butter honey. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, take a second to pause the podcast right here. That's right. Pause it right here and drop me a rating or review. And if you're feeling super generous, you can choose to support the podcast monthly through the link on the episode page or found in the website podcast section. With that being said, as you know, let's get back to the content. And we're back at the 208. Nate, you just took Darnell Mooney. So I'm looking at the board here. I thought you were going to take this receiver. So I'm going to take him because I like him. And I might even get another one later that I like. I'm going to take Jalen Rager. It's taken a while. He hasn't done a lot in a while. He was hurt for most of the beginning of the season. He's had some nice catches with Jalen Hurts. We don't know the situation there necessarily. But I do think that Jalen Rager is going to be the wide receiver one on that team. And their defense is, you know, they have a good D line, but it's older. They have Darius Slay, but he's older. Their defense is also not going to be like elite to the point where they don't have to throw the ball much. So even if they roll with Jalen Hurts as a running quarterback in the future. So I like Jalen Hurts a lot, or I mean Jalen Rager a lot. I'm going to take him. He was one of my highest graded receivers. I like to compare him a lot in the preseason before he was drafted to Tyler Lockett, just a little bit tougher Um, because, you know, he has the deep ball. He has the separation. He has the speed. He's a smaller guy. You can throw him in the slot if you want. So I liked Jalen Rager a lot. And, um, you know, I'm going to rely on my analysis in the pre-draft process because he hasn't done too much in the NFL. But I think we've seen some flashes and I think it'll come together next season. Nice. Okay, so I have the 209 here, correct? Yeah. So I don't have two more picks left. And so I'm going to grab a wide receiver that I think is going to have a really good year next year. And that's Michael Pittman Jr. Um, I liked what I saw from Michael Pittman this year once he got on the field. He's a tough guy. He's a contested catch kind of guy. But he can also run those underneath routes and give you some yak. He's really an all-around X-style wide receiver. And that's what the Colts need. I don't know who the quarterback is next year. But whoever it is is going to target Michael Pittman a lot because he's the kind of receiver that's a quarterback's best friend, just able to chuck it up down the sideline and get catches or defensive pass interferences. So I'm not sure if T.Y. Hilton's there next year. I don't think so, but he has had a late surge, so he could end up coming back for another year. Um, Paris Campbell I do like, but we have yet to see him stay healthy, and we've yet to see him continue production for a long period of time. So – Next year, I fully expect Michael Pittman Jr. to be the number one unless they draft someone really high. Yeah. I ho- I hope they do draft someone for Carson's sake, if we're assuming Carson is there. <laughs> Carson. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it'll yeah, help JT, too. If Carson too. Wentz is there, 
be great for Michael Pittman. Yeah, and it would be great for JT too, both if Carson is there and if a, a new receiver gets drafted, help open up, up that offense. But all right, so you took uh, Michael Pittman. So I got to this is super unorthodox. If you don't want to answer this, you don't have to. But if either Denzel Mims or Henry Ruggs are on the board at your next pick, are you going to take them? No. Dang it, dude. Donovan Peoples-Jones needs to be drafted on this podcast. <laughs> he has to be drafted. I have Ruggs and Mims above him, but he has to be drafted. Are you going to take him? Or do I have to take him? No. Oh, my gosh. Mate. <laughs> Who does that mean you're going to take? This is going to be you interesting. have no idea. This is going to be interesting. All right. I'm thinking maybe Jordan Love or like a, just because it's super flex. Now nah, he's laughing though. Definitely. Maybe KJ Hamler or Gabriel Davis. All right. So I think it's going to be Gabriel Davis. You like those those type of guys. Um, so oh, I do. Do I? I, I, think, I think you do. All right. So I'm going to go with, uh, man, you're not going to take any of them. All right. You know what? I'm going to give my man his due. I'm going to just give my man his due. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I got, I got to take him. You know, he, he's just, he's so good, man. He's so good. I love Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think Odell's going to be out of there. I mean, with the season that the Browns have just put together, without Odell on the field, I really, truly believe that it's not Odell's fault, but I truly believe that the pressure of having Odell on the field and knowing he's a diva-type receiver is making Baker force balls to him that he shouldn't, not going through his reads and just, like, trying to force to Odell. I think that's part of the reason Baker has been better with him off the field. I think the team realizes that. Stefanski's a smart guy. I don't expect Odell to be there. Um, so, with that said, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to continue to his development. He's going to carve out that wide receiver two role. And, you know, I'm sure they'll end up drafting somebody when Jarvis is, is no longer going to be a good option for them in the future um, via age or if they have to resign him or whatever the case may be. So, Donovan Peoples-Jones may never be the true number one, but I love him. He's so good. And he leads. It's off a super small sample size, so his efficiency will probably come down, but it's still so good. He leads this class in yards per... Oh, sorry. He's second after Justin Jefferson's, uh, you know... <laughs> holy self that man is ridiculous but after justin jefferson he has the the most yards per route run he has the highest separation by far of any receiver um the next closest is henry ruggs and then you know i I really just like the the role that he's gonna have carved out for him i kind of thought he could develop into because you know he never really got that target share that he needed in college to really show out I, I kind of thought he could develop and I still think it's possible into an Allen Robinson um, a lot of the things I saw him do I, I saw from Allen Robinson so I love Donovan Peoples-Jones and the man's has to be drafted I talk about him so much on this podcast so <laughs> I had to I had to take him. I mean there's worse guys to take a chance on he was a five-star prospect coming out of high school and Michigan just had nothing to offer him honestly so all right so all right. this is my last pick let's see it let's see it Nate and this goes to one of my favorite guys who I think is going to have a good year next year. But you're not expecting this at the 2-11. I am drafting LaMichael Piran. Oh, you're ridiculous, dude. LaMichael Piran <laughs> You love that drafted. guy. You he love that guy. this spot because he's going to be the starter next year. The Jets have way too many issues on their team to draft a running back high. It's the Jets, though. Do you trust it? I trust Michael P. Ryan to shine through the darkness and to be the starter on that team because there's no way in hell that Frank Gore can be there again. So it is Michael P. Ryan's backfield next year with Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, or an improved team around Sam Darnold. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Michael P. Ryan is incredible. 
he'll probably be the best running back out of this class by the end of his career. <laughs> He's joking. He's joking. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, because you guys can't see him laughing. All right. Um, so let me let me ask you this. If the Jets trade back, are you going to be nervous that with all their extra picks from trading back, they're going to take ETN or somebody that might be there in the second? If they trade back and they get like a boatload of picks, then yes, I probably would be a little nervous that they could draft somebody, um, especially because they didn't, they weren't able to see P. Ryan. Uh, they took way too long to put him in the game. They kept riding Frank Gore and left Bell for too long. And then once he got in the game and on the field, then he was injured, and then he got put on the COVID list, missed week 17. So they didn't really get to see much of him. Um, I hope they just think that, wow, he was so good in practice that we don't need to see him on the field until next year. So, But, yeah, I mean, P. Ryan is my man, and uh, Ray Garvin, with the destination Debbie, he also thinks that Michael P. Ryan will be the starter next year because they just don't need to draft a running back at this point. There's just too many issues on the Jets to fix. So I think that's what we're relying on right now. Obviously, if they draft somebody, it becomes a much stickier situation. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to the last pick. That is mine, and I have to decide between Henry Ruggs and Denzel Mims. So let me ask you for your opinion since we're not actually building a league, right? So you said super easy? I feel like we're going to disagree. So I, I feel like it's Ruggs, but it's because I believe in the talent of Ruggs way more. And I I hope that he can see... Obviously, he's not going to be a Tyreek Hill. It's very hard for anyone to be that. But Tyreek Hill was somebody that wasn't used much at all. And he wasn't used in a variety of ways. In his rookie year, he was kind of like that gadgety guy. I guess that counts as a variety, but you know what I mean in terms of like the, the route tree he's running. So I'm hoping that Ruggs can be utilized more i mean only a 12.9 percent target share this year i'm hoping that that goes up to 16 17 and they use him all over the field and he you know he has separation he's great with it he can win 50 50 balls he had a few missteps this year in that category but he's definitely has the ability i saw it in college a lot over the middle um he braces for big hits he's he's just good at so many things he's not just a deep ball guy so I feel like it's Henry Ruggs, but I know there's an argument for Mims. Is that who you were talking about? Yeah, I, I would take Mims. It's not that I hate Henry Ruggs, but I was not super excited about him coming into the draft. And I, his landing spot was okay. Um, but they didn't really use him the way he should be used. They talked about in the offseason, the Raiders had talked about using Henry Ruggs in the slot. And as a Renfro guy, I was like, ah, dang, there goes Renfro. And that would have been genius. Just get Ruggs the ball and see what can happen. But they didn't use him that way. And that was concerning to me. He had a lot of you know veterans who are not better than Henry Ruggs, surpass Henry Ruggs on the depth chart. And it just doesn't elicit any confidence in me, especially once Brian Edwards is healthy. I like Brian Edwards a lot. Do you like and, him more than Ruggs? Uh, for Dynasty, honestly, yes. Wow. If you take away like ADP value and stuff, then mm-hmm. yes. So like uh, honestly, straight up, if you just had to take one. Yeah. True. Um, Interesting. And like I couldn't trade them at all. Like obviously, yeah. I would take is, Ruggs and trade them. But Rugs is so tough for me to put. Um, somewhere. But I think Mims is a good shot because there's no one like him on the Jets roster right now. Not like an X receiver like him. He's fast. We forgot how fast he is, man. He ran like a four four. Or like a high four yeah, three. No, or something. it was I mean, it, was, it was a four four. Yeah, I mean he he's really good, and he's like six foot two, six foot three. He's got long reach. He's yep. another guy who's set up to be an ex alpha ex alpha receiver, and 
if the team gets Justin Fields, if the team gets Trevor Lawrence, then all of a sudden Mims becomes, you know, a top 10 round pick in dynasty starts because people are freaking out about the wide receiver one for one of those rookie quarterbacks. So I think um, I'm taking the upside with Mims right now. I think he has more upside um, based on a physical profile, even though obviously rugs super fast, but uh, the situation is also, I think better for Mims or at least could be better. Yeah. All right, well, in honor of having you on the podcast, I will take Denzel Mims. But let me ask you, kind of just a, a funny a funny thought here. What what if they keep Sam Darnold? What if, what if they trade back and they don't draft a quarterback? Would you rather have Henry Ruggs at that point? Uh, probably not. I still probably <laughs> like Mims. I mean, right. I don't hate Ruggs, I promise, but I'm just not excited by him. I think he's a better NFL player than he is a fantasy player. Same thing I haven't really liked about Marquise Brown. For the Ravens, I think he's a better NFL player who can stretch the field, keep defenses honest, than someone who's going to get a lot of volume. Mims is going to get a lot more volume than Henry Ruggs at their peak. Yeah. All right, well, that wraps up the draft. And uh, I kind of already went with a recap uh, up to, like, the middle of the second round. So I'm not going to do a recap again. um, But I'll probably throw that into the podcast notes if you want to look at it. But, um, yeah, so that's the redraft of the 2020 Rookies. Nate, thank you for joining us. Thank you for also answering the questions in the beginning. Was there anything you found interesting this week that you wanted to uh, touch on before we left? Um, I'm just ready for NFL draft season. I am. Yes, dude. I mean, obviously, for I'm real. still rooting for the Ravens. Postseason is great. And I'm rooting but, for the Bucks. finally, dude. Yeah, but uh, I love NFL draft. Like, mock drafts give me life. I, like, eat those for breakfast. Yeah. So, uh, NFL draft season is here. I'm doing so much tape film watching and you can check it out at the dynasty rewind we just launched a patreon so that's pretty cool we have a lot of debbie stuff in there and stuff coming up for the rookies plus i'm also writing rookie content for dynastyowner.com just kind of getting all out there on the rookies i am all about the rookies so i'm putting out as much content as possible of course you can find a lot of it on my twitter at nate nfl so yes sir yes sir follow my guy follow my guy um all right well with that said um, I guess there's only one thing I wanted to touch on. Giants fans, stop your crying. S- stop your crying for real. I mean, it's ridiculous. You guys are 6-10. and 10. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Win some more games. Dude, for real. Thank you. Win some more games. Yo, go talk to a Dolphins fan. I please, if you're a Giants fan and you're upset about that whole debacle with the, the Eagles game versus the Washington football team, please go talk to a Dolphins fan who just went 10-6 and six in a season where seven teams from each conference make it, and they did not make the playoffs. Yo, freak the Eagles, though. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that wraps up the podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I will see you next time on Thursday. Nate, peace Thank out, you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. All right, guys, have a good one. Peace. Thank you.